All right, everybody, what's happening? This is your man, El Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Today, we're going to be mixing it up a little bit, and we have quite a bit, bit to discuss. Uh, we do have a word on the street segment to go over today. I got two uh, stories referring to your man, Trump, and then we have a sports update as we uh, well as we get deeper into the MLB playoffs. I got the, uh, I got the NLDS wrapping up. The National League Divisional Series wrapping up. We're going to go over the last two games there, as well as the ALDS Game 4, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and also the Houston Astros. They will be facing off again today to decide that series. It will be a winner-take-all Game 5. But like I said, let's get back to this war on the street. We have a couple couple discussion points here, but let's get right into it. And uh, the first one here is, as recently as Monday, Trump has decided to pull some troops out of northern Syria. This is following a conversation with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And uh, President Erdogan basically says this new military operation, which is called uh, Peace Spring, is anti-terrorism and will be focusing on combating ISIS. However, Kurdish, Arabic, and also Syrian forces known as the YPG, who have also collaborated with the U.S. and its anti-terrorism initiatives, will be under attack by Turkish forces as well because they have not been distinguished uh, from the ISIS rebels. I don't know how this happens. Uh, you know, uh, but apparently um, this is a this is a very interesting quote here, and this is coming from Icon Erdemir. He's a former member of the Turkish Parliament, uh, and I think this quote, you know, kind of sums up where Erdogan lies with this initiative. Of course, he's saying this is anti-terrorist, uh, but there's some layers to this. Uh, he goes on to say, Icon goes on to say, uh, this is more about killing a secular self governing inclusive model that includes uh, that includes not only Kurds but Arabs Yazidis and Syriac Christians in Northeast Syria he also uh, he also said this I uh, I would argue is mostly domestic driven by Erdogan as he somehow convinced Trump that this is about Syria and, and counterterrorism now I actually feel as though that I agree with that uh, only for the simple fact that uh, just last year uh, Turkey was in the news at least dealing with us uh, for actually you know imprisoning uh, one of our well somebody they could that they accused to be of a if you accused to be a spy and were uh, intending to hold over. Also, there was the issue with uh, J- the murder journalist Jamal Khashoggi, and apparently they had some information and they wanted to control the release of that information. So again, uh, I definitely think this could be a move by Erdogan uh, for some type of publicity or some type of political, uh, you know, some political, I guess, spoofs for him uh, because again he has been in uh, the news in his country uh, and his administration they have been they have been facing claims of economic corruption and there's also turmoil within their own political party so uh, this could fully well be a, somewhat of a PR stunt disguised as anti-terrorism uh, as an anti- uh, anti-terrorism battle now Trump's decision is said to have been made without the State Department and Pentagon's knowing basically we have a rogue president on our hands just like he called up 
the Ukrainian president, which we will get to in just a little bit. The White House will send out, of course, uh, damage control later on in the week, claiming that the goal was not to remove all troops from the from Syria, uh, just from the areas that were under Turkish attack. The United States does not endorse this attack and has made it clear that made it clear to Turkey that this is a bad idea. That is a quote coming from, directly from Donald Trump. I don't think you said that because he wouldn't have been so eager to do it. So I'm not going to buy that. I, I, I think um, I think uh, your boy Erdogan wanted to raise some hell. Um, and, and at the moment, I don't think you're I don't think Trump is really, you know, that's his focus right now. Of course, he's he's in an impeachment uh, proceedings, which leads me, which segues me into my next uh, my next story here. Of course, we will be breaking down uh, these excerpts here. And I'm just going to give you guys just a brief feeling on what's going down in terms of this impeachment thing. Of course, the Democrats are moving. The House Democrats are moving forward with this. They are, of course, within the inquiry stage. Uh, they have, like I said before, they have issued subpoenas. Uh, but the, Dem the Republican Party has decided, well, and pretty much the Senate has decided it does not want to. And anybody related to Trump and his whole cabinet, so on and so forth, has decided they do not want to participate. So it's, be, it's a very difficult process at the moment but i think it's very important that i give you guys some perspective and some context uh, by giving you guys some excerpts from these people's conversation because this conversation despite what the republicans might want to say they recently said it was a catfish they recently wanted to say it didn't exist this conversation did exist and this is just coming what i'm about to read to you in this what i'm about to read to you these excerpts are coming directly from what the white house uh decided they wanted to summarize uh, there could be a lot more they could have said. There could have been a lot more. I don't even, we don't even know. But this is the exact transcript of what the White House is giving you. So I want you to peep this. And this is, this is why we we are doing this. So I'm going to, uh, no, I'm just going to go right into it uh, right now. And of course, this transcript that I'm referring to is the phone conversation that happened, I believe, July 25th uh, this year between, of course, Mr. President Trump and also President Volodymyr Zelensky from Ukraine. OK, this is these are what I have here are the direct quotes uh, some direct quotes. Of course, they're not the this is not the entire conversation, but here I am having some direct quotes from this conversation. And this is all unclassified information from the White House. OK, this is their White House summary. OK, now I'm going to start off as Trump. And this is exactly what he said. I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot. and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with CrowdStrike. Now, we'll get into who that is and what that is in just a second. I guess you have one of the, your wealthy people, the server. They say Ukraine has it. There are a lot of things that went on. The whole situation, I think you're surrounding uh, yourself with the same, with some of the same people. I would like to have the Attorney General call you or your people, and I would like to uh, like you to get it, like you to get to the bottom of it as you saw yesterday, we, uh, as you saw yesterday, that whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller, an incompetent performance. But they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important if that to do it if that's possible. Now he's trying to keep it cold here, but we already know he's asking for somewhat of a investigation. Let's go. 
Now, this is President Volodymyr Zelensky. I just recalled our ambassador from the U.S. and he will be replaced by, well, she will be replaced by a very competent and very experienced ambassador who will work hard on making sure that our two nations are getting closer. We are great friends and you, Mr. President, have friends in our country so we can continue with our strategic partnership. I also plan to surround myself with great people. And in addition to that investigation, I guaranteed as the president of Ukraine that all investigations will be done openly and candidly. That, I assure you. So, again, you see where Trump has asked for uh, an investigation. And you got your president saying, of the Ukraine saying, yeah, I can oblige that. Okay. Now, Trump will go on to say, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son. That Biden stopped the prosecution. And a lot of people want to find out, want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general, that being, if I'm not mistaken, Rudy Giuliani, will be great. Hmm. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, y'all, y'all, <laughs> oh, this boy right here, no finesse. Uh, if y'all can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. President Zelensky, and I'm gonna wrap it all up here. We're gonna put a couple more pieces in here after the after the quotes, but we're gonna wrap up the uh, the excerpts here. This is President Zelensky. Since we have won the majority in our parliament, the next prosecutor general will be 100% my person, my candidate, who will be approved by the parliament and will start as the new prosecutor in September. He or she will look into the situation specifically to the company that you mentioned in this issue. That being CrowdStrike. Now, let's put a couple pieces together for right now. Uh, over the course of, well, at least near the end of this um, conversation, of course, they would mention that former prosecutor and the former ambassador uh, that Zelensky is getting rid of. Actually, not the uh, not the. Uh, prosecutor general, uh, but at least the ambassador at the time that was serving between the Ukraine and the U.S., and that was Marie Yavanovich, a 33-year veteran uh, in terms of uh, serving as an ambassador. She also worked uh, between Armenia and also Ukraine, like I said before, and also Kyrgyzstan uh, as well. So again, very well versed in that center of the world. Uh, so again, Trump was Trump. Well, Trump and Zelensky seems to me uh, that they want to throw her under the bus, kind of just. Uh, disregard her uh, but she has been critical of what has been going on in the ukraine and in some certain parts of that area in general since that is her job uh, that's part of what she's supposed to do apparently she did not get along with Zelensky, and Zelensky uh pretty much had her removed and he and since his party is the majority uh the very next person that he puts in line uh will be working directly with trump and the attorney general rudy giuliani to investigate joe biden and his son this is because this is the case why would he do this because it's all this makes sense to me 
If you really feel that Joe Biden might have committed a, now, oh, let's go back to, to CrowdStrike. Uh, CrowdStrike is a uh, cybersecurity company uh, based in California that is owned by a Russian man that uh, runs investigations uh, dealing with cyber, you know, hacking and stuff like that. So that's who the Democrats used uh, to, which is very, which is very confusing. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I don't want to go there. But that, that is very confusing just because of the time period and what's going on. Uh, but again, they went to this uh, Russian owned company that is based in California. It is based in Sunnyvale. But the man who runs it is originally from Russia. So I think that's all interesting. And I don't know if it all plays a, a, a role in this but it's something to look at and, and kind of scratch your head at um but again uh crowd like i said crowd strike uh, is is a uh, is a is a local i guess you could say a local business is a local entity uh now again that's who the democrats use now what trump is going to do because again we have to realize that it's like this i think the whole goal was for trump to investigate Biden and try to expose something about Biden. Because guess what? We already know Trump is going to run unopposed in the Republican Party. This is why it might have to be. It might make all sense for them to to the Democrats to probably get him out of here. Uh, because in reality, he's going to run unopposed in terms of the Republicans. I don't see. Have you even heard about a, a Republican debate? I mean, have you? I, I know I broke a couple Republican candidates down uh, sometime a while back but again you don't hear too much of none of that going on we're pretty i'm pretty sure donald trump is going to run a polls next election if he's not uh impeached by then so i i the and the thing about it is let's be honest here joe biden is his only real threat let's be real here uh, he's the highest polling candidate he's the one that has the best chance we're not even looking at Cory Booker. We're not looking at Kamala Harris. She she's too niche of a candidate. She only has her you know little following. It's not enough. Elizabeth Warren, same thing. Bernie Sanders, same thing. But we already know who's pretty much gonna win the Democratic ticket unless something completely changes uh, within how we look at things. It's gonna be Joe Biden. So what I'm what I'm saying what I'm seeing here is maybe Trump feels. Uh, that well he well for one he's gonna well he wanted to investigate the company CrowdStrike and what the Democrats were doing with those people. That's that's what I'm seeing here. And he wants to investigate not only Joe Biden, but his son. It's right there in the pudding. It's right here in the transcript. You can't be you can't overlook it. You can't be that dumb. Maybe what y'all wanted to see from Donald Trump was the, was to see it. Maybe y'all wanted to be maybe you wanted to be bit, you know, beaten over your head. Politician, politicians are crooked. Maybe you wanted to have it beaten over your head this this easily. I don't know, but he's crooked. He's a whack job, and um, I'm I'm kind of getting sick and tired of it. But we will be updating this situation, so don't worry. It's ain't over. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when I come back, I'll be breaking down some of these MLB playoffs. Of course, uh, we gotta go through the NLDS. Uh, both of those series wrapped up between the Dodgers and the Washington Nationals, and also the Cardinals and the Braves. Two upsets, kind of in my opinion. So we're gonna break that down. We're gonna also break down Game Four of the ALDS uh, with the Rays and the Astros and we're going to preview uh, that final game as well that's going to uh, be going on tonight game five so I'll be right back y'all all 
All right, y'all, I am back, and uh, we're going to get into some uh, baseball news real quick. And the biggest story is, of course, coming out of Oakland, for those of you who do not know. And uh, the commissioner of, the, of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, recently issued a threat to the city of Oakland, imploring them to drop their lawsuit over a proposed sale of the land at the Oakland Coliseum or risk losing the team to Las Vegas or another market. The A's recently worked out a deal with Oakland to buy the to buy Oakland's half of the surrounding of the rent of the land surrounding uh, the stadium, which is 155 acres. Uh, the city of Oakland, I'm sorry, the city, in turn filed a lawsuit to stop the transaction, claiming they weren't given a chance to purchase the land, which would give them the right to determine what happens next. The A's were offering 85 million. This is my problem uh, with that. They already, y'all were already discussing it. What, what, where did y'all not get an opportunity? Obviously, this was discussed. The A's had discussed this with you. You had already were talking about terms of a contract. This is what I want to stand. The A's were already giving you an offer. So again, you had an opportunity to buy it if you wanted to. They off they already offered you the money. That was your chance to say yes or no. What are you talking about? You weren't given a chance. I'm thinking, and this is just me, Oakland is gonna hold out on the A's. Maybe even buy the yeah, probably buy it themselves just to hold themselves out and try to sell it to somebody else who's willing to spend a little bit more. That's what I think. And they want to hold themselves out to another corporation, somebody that's going to spend excess billions of dollars or whatever millions of dollars to put up the stadium. And they're going to risk losing the baseball team. Because, I mean, at this point, the stadium is trash. Okay, that's the, that's the thing. That's the problem. And it needs to be fixed. Don't really matter who owns it, whether it's the city, whether it's the Oakland A's. Maybe I, I, I trust the Oakland A's to own it because at least then I know that they would do something to it. They would improve the facilities that would at least make it into a baseball field, a proper one. You don't know what y'all going to do with it. We saw we see Oakland City. We see Oakland schools. So come on now. Acting like the city's going, acting like baseball, you, you know, you cater to a baseball team or sports. Y'all don't even cater to your school system. So stop acting like y'all, y'all not, y'all so bigger than sports, Oakland. Stop it. Y'all sound like you, this is a whole move. I don't like it. Sell the team, sell the baseball, sell the stadium to the baseball team. That's the only team who wants to play there. God, should be lucky somebody wants to play there. That's why y'all ain't got nothing. Y'all didn't help the Raiders out. That's why the Raiders left. You didn't want to help them upgrade that for the for them. Been mad because they want to go. Don't turn your back on nobody. Don't be mad at nobody. That's what you get. You want to sue the only team that wants to, to 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 even play there? I'm a fan. I feel like they should move to at least San Jose. I'll drive to San Jose. Cause I think that's bullshit. My opinion. BS Oakland. I don't care. Y'all Libby Libby Shaft, they should call her. Mayor Shaft because she's been giving the citizens of Oakland the shaft since she's been in office. Bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, you, I mean, for what it's worth, it you know, Oakland claims the city council and the mayor claims they want to work something out. Uh, one of the city councilmen uh, said, I believe that there is uh, actually this is what Rob, my, Rob uh, Manfred will go on to say. 
uh, about the situation. I believe that there is a there is not another market in the U.S. that, that has the upside potential that Oakland has. Come on, blood. If the baseball person is saying that, what do you think if we were able to upgrade the facilities for the Raiders? We could have been a real dope-ass sports city. Oakland not thinking about it. Oakland is selling out. They want to be San Francisco Junior, and it ain't working. Nobody's interested in that. Nobody cares about y'all bougie-ass white-collar folk. That's why y'all finna lose y'all baseball team. Y'all lost y'all basketball team. It's frustrating, bro. That's all I'm saying. It's just very frustrating. I hope the A's stay. That's all I can say. But if y'all do move, go ahead and San Jose, please. I'll watch y'all from there. Or Hayward. I heard Hayward would have been a cool spot. I don't know, man. I don't like it. I just don't like it. Uh, but let's get into this playoff update, of course. Uh, it's... It's getting deeper. We're gonna we're getting to the well. We haven't made it uh, pretty much to the second round. If you are internationally, my National League fans, but in the AL, we have one more game to go. Uh, the Rays were able to tie the series yesterday, uh, winning game four, four to one. Uh, like I said, series tied two to two for the Astros. Uh, they got one RBI from their catcher Robinson Chinrios. And uh, a really poor start for Justin Verlander. He only uh, lasted for three innings, uh, a little bit, actually a little bit over three innings. Gave up seven hits and four earned runs, and that was enough to seal the fate for them. Uh, they're going to have to win tonight if, if they want to move on. Again, I, I'm very surprised about the Rays. I was I was a little bit disappointed, uh, of course, with my A's losing to them in the wild card game, but I can see why. This team is actually uh, pretty damn good. I, I pretty much overlooked them, so I can, I can say that. And... Um, this is shape well this was shaping up to be a better series than anybody had anticipated uh last uh yesterday for the Rays, uh they got uh some production from their catcher travis they are not he had an rbi also designated hitter tommy fam he had three hits in an rbi and also some rbis were driven in by uh second baseman julie wendell and also uh, shortstop willie Adamus. Uh, now, this was a bullpen game pretty much for, yeah, this was a bullpen game uh, for the uh, Rays, which means no starting pitchers. They pretty much should have just had their relievers go at it. And uh, Diego Castillo will start the game. Uh, he will go for about a little bit over an inning, giving up no runs. He will also have three strikeouts as well. And as a whole, the bullpen would finish the way, uh, finish the way in the game, going a little bit over seven innings, uh, having five hits, an earned run, but only one earned run. And then they also had five strikeouts as a unit as well. So again, uh, this is the this is uh, the do or die game here today. Uh, Ray. So yeah, that's gonna be an important game tonight. The game, uh, the game clinchings, the, the series clinching game. This is gonna be a good one. I again, I had the Astros winning this one in in uh, four games. Uh, so. Or actually three games are pretty much a sweep so i'm surprised it even got here um yeah i wasn't expecting this one that's all i can say uh let's move on to that national league uh the national league divisional series we had two game fives here two closeout games uh we're gonna start off with the cardinals putting it on the Braves, 13 to one they beat him so bad their catcher the Braves catcher brian mccann had to retire he said i'm done with this shit after 15 years that's what it. That's what the Cardinals will do to you. You do not want them to be in the playoffs. 
at this point, they're liable to make it to the World Series. You don't, man, I'm telling you. It's just something about what they do in the playoffs. They're not an extraordinary, flashy, or great-looking uh, team, especially during a regular season. Of course, uh, they were third place for a good majority of the time. They took that division from the and once the Cubs were out of oh man once they start once they beat out the Cubs and like you know beat the Cubs out for third place it was a wrap for the Cubs they were they were done from all of, from any race they weren't going to the playoffs they weren't going anywhere. They stole. They stole it from the Brewers. They just. They just. I don't know how they do it. The Cardinals. They got Yadier Molina. They got a good pitching staff, and they just. They just sneak in the playoffs, and they sneak themselves all the way into the World Series. They do it every year. I. I'm not mad at them though. I. I've never been mad at that. I. I just. Just always look at it like, damn, like, if if they get in the playoffs, they're bound to go to the World Series like every time. Like you don't want to see them. But anyways, let's break down the stats here. They had a they had a ten inning. I'm sorry, they had a ten run first innings. I mean, damn, like it was never meant to be for the Braves. Uh, it was a wrap uh, for the Cardinals. Outfielder Dexter Fowler had a good day, two hits in the RBI. Second baseman Colton Wong had two, two hits in the RBI, and shortstop Paul DeJong would also go go on to have two hits in the RBI, two hits and two RBIs as well. And actually, I'm sorry, those all those guys had two RBIs as well, not just an RBI. They had two hits and two RBIs. Two hits and two RBIs, so on and so on. Uh, but for uh, the pitching, Jack Flaherty would get the start. He went for six innings, innings give up four hits. He gave up four hits, but only one on run. He also had eight strikeouts. And for the Braves, uh, they just got the one RBI from third baseman Josh Donaldson. And as far as pitching goes, Mike Fultonevitz, uh, he got the start and only went for about an inning, gave up three hits uh, and also six earned runs. Of course, it, it wasn't, it was a wrap. Pretty much, that's it. Wasn't close. We're just gonna move on. Uh, this is the one, uh, the devastating blow of the night. At least if you're a Dodgers fan, uh, they lose in ten innings, seven to three. Uh, the Nationals, of course, win this series three to two, just like the Cardinals three to two game five victories. Uh, like I, like I said here, final score seven to three. Uh, we're gonna break this one down as well. Juan Soto will get two hits and also two RBIs. Anthony Rendon uh, would. Will be great at what has been what was great for the Nationals throughout the series. Three hits in an RBI, and then Howie Kendrick comes up big with the clutch grand slam in the tenth inning, the top of the tenth inning to win to seal the fate, uh, really. And uh, Steven Strasburg again, I, I keep mentioning his name. He's really damn good. He doesn't. They don't really talk about him as much anymore. It's not that it was. I don't think they really refer to him as a bust. They just kind of think of him as somebody who hasn't uh, really reached his pinnacle or his real, really great potential. Uh, but again, he just, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the lack of uh, media coverage just kind of, you know, people just don't really know what to make of him. But again, he comes up when it really counts. Steven Strasburg gets six innings of work, uh, gives up six hits, but only three earned runs. He also had seven strikeouts as well, and he was able to, he was pretty much one of the deciding factors in that game. After those three runs, it was a wrap. Uh, the bullpen stepped up and was able to shut things down as well. It was a, it was a team effort, especially with Howie uh, Kendrick. Uh, he struggled throughout the entire series in terms of hitting, but came up when it really counted the most, and just, he was there defensively as well. Uh, just not a lot, you know, not a lot of love is given to that, but again, uh, he's he he came up big for that team as well. Of course, Juan Soto, he was active throughout these the entire series, getting it done. And Anthony Radon, uh, one of the one of the best, 
would say one of the best underrated players out there. He, what I mean is, uh, of all the underrated players, I think he has the best skill set of all of them. And again, so you got Steven Strasburg, and it was just it was a wrap. And again, this is another team that really defied expectations. And now I could call myself a believer. I'm, I'm feeling like they can, they can probably take this momentum to the World Series. I, I don't know. I don't know. The Cardinals are, are a tough, are a tough matchup. But again. This team seems like it could beat anybody. Uh, but let's move on to the Dodgers. Uh, they got a two-run home run uh, from uh, Max Muncy and also two hits in the RBI from their left fielder, uh, Enrique Hernandez. Uh, pitcher Walker Bueller got the start. He went for uh, six innings, gave up four hits. He also gave up an earned run, and he had seven strikeouts. Uh, the bullpen did not have so much success. It would actually uh, have four hits. Uh, it would also give up. Sorry, it would go four innings, uh, give up five hits, and also six earned runs. Clayton Kershaw was a part of that. Uh, he didn't even make it through an inning. He gave up two hits and two earned runs, so it was a bad day. Just a bad, really, really bad day for those guys, unfortunately. And like I said before, they're going to have to probably shut this whole team down and start again. Like They're just going to have to re destroy and rebuild and start rebuilding again. That was my opinion. I think that does not change now. Yeah, the Dodgers are going to be a different team. In, uh, in a few short years, you could put my, you could put, I, you could probably put money on that. All right, y'all, I'm gonna take another quick break, and when I come back, we'll be wrapping everything up with some NFL talk. Of course, I'll be previewing Week Six, and guess what? We do have some Thursday night football. So there we go. We're gonna talk about some uh, key matchups as well. So I will be right back. y'all i am back i'm gonna wrap everything up for today i'm gonna be getting into the nfl of course and i'll be starting off with my top eight power rank uh, power rankings for this week at number eight it's gonna shock maybe a few people but i'm gonna put the oakland raiders here they're currently three and two they're second in the afc west uh and they are uh, they also traded recently for zay jones so they're adding up some key pieces to their offense they're looking to keep that uh, moving consistent and I like it I mean they definitely did some things last week uh, that that you can look at and be positive with they are going into a bye week so they get a chance to rest uh, but again I think they need to shore up some things on defense of course uh, still probably need to, well no they they got they got a decent amount of quarterback pressure as to uh, quarter, quarterback pressures too uh, they they actually, I think they got a strip on uh, Chase Daniel last week. So again, defensively they're looking great. Uh, well, they're looking really, they're looking much improved. I think maybe you know adding another wide receiver would definitely help offensively. Uh, maybe get another linebacker defensively, something like that. But this team is looking pretty good for what it's worth. And uh, for and they also have a rookie of the year candidate, in my opinion. Uh, we're gonna have uh, Josh Jacobs here. So far, he's ran for 470 yards on the year. He has four touchdowns and he's averaging five yards per carry and according to pro football focus he is the second highest rated running back at 85 and 85.6 and he's right behind chris mccaffrey who is 90.8 he also hasn't fumbled in his first five games either so again i got josh jacobs as a rookie uh, of the year candidate raiders uh they're looking really solid here at number eight at number seven i got their rival the chiefs here uh, they lost last week 19 to 13 versus indianapolis and that's why I have them this low. I don't think they were supposed to drop that game, especially with the injuries and, the, and who uh, the Colts did not have planned for them Sunday. And uh, they're current, and part of the reason why they lost and 
they um this this was a factor this was a very big factor in the reason why they lost but they are 30th in the league in rush defense they average about 155 yards per game and they're 25th in overall offense but i saw uh that real weakness that rush defense uh on display last week uh versus the colts uh jacoby Brissett made some plays with his legs he also had marlon mack making some making some plays on the ground of course uh he had over 100 yards so again the Chiefs need to address that. If they want to go deep into the playoffs, they need to address their run defense. That is their Achilles heel right now. Uh, they actually are ranked pretty highly in forcing uh, interceptions. So pass defense, they're actually okay. They need to stop the run, and they need to get off the field. Uh, that is their most important thing here. At number six, we have the Saints here. They are also at 4-1. Uh, their last game was a win, 31-24 versus Tampa. Uh, they have three more games to go without Breeze, and this week they will be in Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a pretty solid defense, of uh, course, but Jalen Ramsey might be out, so that might be another W for them, uh, but they do have to go up against Gardner Minshew, a really good young quarterback prospect, so uh, look for that game. I, I think that game goes it's touch and go, uh, but I think it starts to ramp up near the end. I think they score a lot of points in that one. That's that's just, I have a feeling about that. Uh, and at number five, we have the Bills here at four and one as well. They are world, They are road warriors this season. They have three straight road victories. This is the most for that team since 1993. That's how they do it. Uh, I think with the they just have one one loss on the season, of course, and that one loss coming uh, to the Patriots, but it was not that bad of a loss. So in reality, this is looking like one of the best four and one teams in my opinion out there. Really great defense all around. Uh, I think passing defense and also rush defense. So they're really good. Uh, Josh Allen will be coming back from his concussion. He cleared protocol and he will be well. He is expected to play this week and finally they do have a defensive player of the week uh this is defensive end daryl johnson for his performance in the special team so again they are they are performing well in all aspects of of football they have a well except for offense they just need to get their offense to come together hopefully uh with uh, josh allen coming back they'll get some help with that at number four, we have the Packers, who stand at 4-1. And, one. and uh, actually, with the exception of the Patriots and the Niners, everybody else, uh, the, the next couple of teams here are going to definitely be 4-1 as well. Uh, but for, for the Packers, they are 4-1. They are first in the NFC North. The last game was a 34-24 win in Dallas. So there's a good win for them. They are 25th in overall offense, but 13th in scoring. They, they uh, average almost 24 points a game, and they are also 22nd in total defense. Defense, defense, excuse me, but eighth in scoring defense, just allowing about 18.6 points per game. And uh, what that tells me is they give up a few yards uh, in terms of defense, but they do not let you score. And in terms of offense, they're they're a little bit more efficient than what the numbers may seem. They don't uh, get a lot of yardage per game, but they do score points, and they. They end up winning. <laughs> that's the whole thing here. And that's what's more important. Uh, and they have a very crucial game this week uh, against the uh, Lions, in my opinion. I'll be breaking that down in just a little bit. At number three, I have the Seahawks here, who are at four and one. They are missing their right guard, DJ Fluker, this week. Uh, he hurt his hamstring, uh, and he is questionable. Uh, they also have Russell Wilson here. Uh, we want. I wanted to talk about him a little bit. One of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. You can say what you want. He holds the lead. League. Uh, he's the leader in the league right now in touchdown to interception ratio with 12 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Very accurate. Uh, just a leader. Through thick end, uh, day in, day out. Uh, thick end. Uh, just, just when the going gets tough, he doesn't give up. 
He has a good motor. And of course, again, I can't I can't help but stress his leadership enough. And this is just uh, indicative of that leadership. He knows when to throw the ball. He has the right chemistry and it's working. And he, on top of that, he has receivers that are going out of there uh, balling. Uh, I think out of their comfort zone, like Will Disley, the tight end. I think he's raw too. He's stepping up. So again, he got he has a lot of help. So uh, I got the Seahawks here at number three. At number two, I know this might throw you guys off a little bit, uh, but I'm gonna go with the Patriots here just because I feel the Niners had the better win this week. The more the more real convincing win. Uh, the Patriots are five and zero. Oh, of course, they are first in scoring defense, only allowing uh, actually allowing just under seven points uh, game. They also first in passing defense. Uh, with 161 yards allowed a game. They're also first and third down defense. So they get teams off the field. Uh, they score uh, relatively well, but they're scoring. They don't let you score pretty much at all. And they're going to stop you from passing. Those are the big important things here. Patriots at 5-0. and I got them at number two, though. And finally, that makes, of course, like I said, the Niners, the number one team here this week. They are at 4-0, and but I like their quality. I like the way that they beat up on the Browns. I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I just like them beating up the Browns or something. Uh, but they do have some injuries going into this week. Uh, they are going to be missing their right tackle, Mike uh, McGinley, uh, uh, and he will be out four to six weeks with a knee issue. And they're also going to be missing their fullback, uh, Kyle uh, uh, Yuschik. There we go. Uh, missing their, you're going to be missing their fullback, Kyle Yuschik, for about the same amount of time with an MCL sprain. And finally, uh, Richard Shermer. Richard Sherman, <laughs> he's just stirring the, the, the pot, man. Don't worry about him. That's what he does. He's been doing that since he came in the league. Don't worry about the whole spat with Baker. He's one of those guys that likes to create a little bit, just to have a little bit more um, what you call motivation. And that's who he is. I'm not mad at him. And um, that's how they do it. And let's get into some three takeaways from week three. Uh, for one, I got uh, Josh Jacobs, Rookie of the Year. I think he takes it by far. Again, the stats don't lie. I think he definitely runs for over, I'd say about 1,400 yards this year. Uh, why not grabbing him about himself about eight touchdowns? Uh, maybe probably won't even give up a fumble, in my opinion, as well. But I got him as a rookie of the year. Can't take that away. At number two, I have the, Car the Colts. I'm sorry. The Colts are better than we thought, despite their current record, despite them not having Andrew Luck. Uh, and uh, they're, they're finding ways to win. Uh, that that touchdown run by Jacoby Brissett, it just was indicative of that. They are a smart team. They're a crafty team. And I'm just not, and it's just not going to lay over for people. And finally, my third takeaway from week five is Baker Mayfield is a sober Johnny Menzel. Come fight me. He hasn't really done anything that significant. Uh, he's just stayed out of trouble for a little bit longer period of time. Uh, but again, what have they really done? We'll wait and see. Uh, I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, third, I got three questions going into week six. For one, who is going to replace Jake Rutten down in Washington? There's a couple candidates out there. Uh, I don't know who they're going to get per se. If I were to make a guess... I, I don't know who want to even go there. Let's 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 say that one for later. My my next question is how good is Dak Prescott and how good are the Cowboys in return? Uh, you know, just expounding uh, upon that and just looking at their loss last week against the Packers, there was there was some talk about them being really good as well this year, possibly one of the NFC East. 
I don't see it. And we're and we're already three or four, uh, five weeks in, and I'm starting to see that maybe they might be just a wild card team at best. And finally, is this the end of Eli Manning? I know this is the end of him as a giant starter. Uh, I guess unless something happens to Daniel Jones, uh, the question is: After this season, does he retire or does he try to find a job somewhere else? Who really knows? I think that's very interesting. Uh, finally, I got three key matchups going into this weekend. Uh, starting off in the NFC West, we have a big-time matchup here. The Niners and the Rams, a rivalry game here. Niners are, of course, 4-0. The Rams are 3-2. and uh, This one was a toss-up for me kind of at first, but I just like the way the Niners have been playing recently. I got them winning uh, by at least 14 points. Their offense seems to be uh, just just really productive they really move the ball down the field whether it's running the ball passing the ball uh jimmy garoppolo is really efficient you got matt breeder there who can get a lot of yards tevin coleman who can get you a lot of yards and i don't see that the rams really trying that hard with todd Gurley, and i see that they're relying a whole lot on jared Goff, and he's in my opinion maybe not as good as we thought he was at some point but i got the niners here winning by at least 14. i just think the liners are just that much better on all different sides of the ball and of course you have a couple injuries uh for the rams too like clay matthews he's gonna be out for a while so i think those, those are gonna come back and bite them next up we have the uh, the texans uh going on to kansas city to face the chiefs the, uh, the texans are three and two the chiefs are four and one this one is a little bit murkier. Uh, the Chiefs are banged up. They look to be uh, kind of out of sorts right now. Uh, I don't think they have a great running defense, but with that being said, uh, I don't think the Texans can run the ball super great. Uh, I got I got the Chiefs winning this one, pulling this one out. It'll be a it'll be a close game, uh, but I see them winning late in the fourth quarter, uh, somewhere around the lines of 27, 20, something like that. But we'll see. And finally, we have an NFC North matchup here. Of course, uh, the Lions coming here with just one loss on the season. They are two one, and of course, they have that. Um, that uh, draw there, and then also the Packers are a four and one. This one is very interesting. Again, I think the, the Lions are coming off a bye week, so I didn't really get a chance to see too much of them. I like the Packers in, in this one still. They don't score, they don't get a lot of yardage, uh, but they do score. They're very efficient, and um, I, I see the I see the Packers getting it done here. Uh, it's it might be close. I think Detroit might have some defense there, uh, but I, I see the Packers win it by at least by at least a touchdown. Uh, probably a score of uh, 21-14, something like that. Maybe something different. But again, I see the Packers winning by a touchdown here in this one as well. All right, y'all. I'm gonna call it a wrap for today. Uh, later on this week, I got uh, another top ten for you guys. My my part two for my worst Republican and conservative ran cities. I got that for you guys. I'm gonna be working on a review at some point as well, and I will be back uh, with some MLB playoff updates and um and a war on the street as well uh sometime near this weekend all right y'all if you're looking to get in touch with me i am on gmail you can hit me up on my gmail uh that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com that is eljbutler75 at gmail.com once again that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com that is eljbutler75 at gmail.com I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at L Jamal Johnny. That is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Once again, that is L Jamal Johnny. E L J A M A H A D J A N I. All right, y'all. It's been good hollering at y'all. I will be back later on. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love, and I will holler at y'all later.